Hello and welcome to Victory Over Adversity. Your host is Heather Laurie of Special Needs Homeschooling. This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Victory Over Adversity. This is Heather Laurie, your host, and I'm excited to be here today. This is a very important subject, one that I, I've lived, I occasionally live, you know, even to this day, but it's not a healthy lifestyle. Um, it's emergency mode. And what do I mean by emergency mode? Well, emergency mode is generally um, something that happens rather fast like an accident, a bad accident. So suddenly you're stressed, you get a phone call, you've got to go to the ER, your your husband has broken his leg, so you have to spend two days where he gets a surgery, putting plates and pins in his leg, everybody's up in arms, what are we gonna eat? How do you get that done? How can you deal with your family and get to the hospital and help your husband? Then then you start wondering, oh my, what, what are we going to do when he comes home? There are three steps into the front living room, there's steps up to the bedroom, uh, we've got to get into PT. Now this can happen in any sort of family. Unfortunately, emergency mode comes upon all of us at some point in our life. It doesn't care if you're an itty bitty baby and me and Nick you. It doesn't care if you're an adult or, or even a grandma. It doesn't care if you're male or female or however much money you have in the bank account. That is not going to get you out of the stress and the anxiety and and the unhealthy spot that you can very quickly end up if you let emergency mode come into your home and just burrow in. Now, I said it happens to all of us, and it very much does. It, it's happened to me, and like I said, it's going to happen again in the future simply because I know we have medical issues. Now, the key to not living in emergency mode, to not letting this just stay is to first acknowledge it exists acknowledge that while you're smiling to everyone at church going yeah we're fine yeah yeah sure we're fine you're not and I'm gonna ask you to do some very uncomfortable things today something that most of us just aren't naturally inclined to do we're going to be we're going to talk about how to reach out to others for help how to, to, to get our own support team to help ourselves and the family um, to, to understand that emergency mode is something that if you have your family and your friends and a support system it's much easier to get out of now you can if you're a single mom and you're saying hey you know we we, we live in a town that we don't have our family you still can find a very peaceful outcome to this and they want to help you and we've been down this road before I'm also going to be talking about how other people can reach back and help you. You know, what happens if you're not the one in emergency mode, but you're watching your, your sister who has just gotten the diagnosis that her child has autism and they're trying to set up therapy, they're trying to understand what's autism, what's sensory issues, what's just plain being a kid. It's a very intense way to live life. <clears throat> now, we one of the main when I look back over the kids and the medical issues that we've had one really stood out when I was thinking about emergency mode and this was the time where we like I said it came fast 
we didn't even realize what was happening. So what happened was, is my little Gracie, we were homeschooling and she just didn't feel good. And we knew she didn't feel good, so we already had a pediatrics appointment for that afternoon. And so she, when she put the books down and went and laid down, I thought, well, you know, it's kind of good. Taking a nap is probably gonna help her. And, and um, I wasn't upset by any means that she needed to lay down. But then I, I heard her coughing and I thought, wow, that's not something she's been doing. She's sick, but not like coughing, like upper respiratory issue. And she kept coughing and she kept coughing. And I mean, it was bad to the point where thankfully my husband was home and both of us came in there and she was still coughing and it wasn't a productive cough. And it wasn't a seal cough, but my husband said, you know, that, that while it's not the typical wheezing asthma cough, it sounds kind of similar in the fact that she just keeps coughing. That just, it doesn't feel right. So his daddy gut and my mommy gut said, hmm, you know, even if we go to the doctor's office now and we have to wait a couple of hours, at least we'll be at the doctor's office and they can put our hearts at ease that this is just, you know, her coughing because she's sick and, you know, maybe she has bronchitis. So we took the kids, we got them to the babysitter grandma's house, and then we went over to the doctor's office and we got into the pediatric um, um, waiting room and we weren't waiting more than two minutes before a nurse came charging out to get us and she said, no, I heard that cough, you need to come back here now. Ooh, that's, that's not the tone you ever wanna hear with one of your children. We went in the back and immediately she was given a nebulizer soon she was given another nebulizer treatment. Now the respiratory tech from the attached children's hospital ran over and gave her a treatment. Um, so she had three treatments in a very short succession. We waited a little bit, had to have another treatment. And before I knew it, my little girl was sitting in the PICU, the pediatric ICU, and there were respiratory techs swarming, nurses swarming, doctors going, this should be working. And yet it wasn't. She was still coughing. She was now red faced. She was not getting full breaths. Here she had been sick, and that sickness had triggered asthma that was kind of dormant up until that point. And so now I had a, a little little one who was in the PICU, and we went from being just a normal day at homeschool with a child who didn't feel well to this is very very dangerous. And so we are trying to balance how to to, to do dinner with the kids. Then we get home, and I already her younger sister had lung issues, so she was already on a nebulizer every four hours, but it was completely opposite medications. So I had to color code everything. One child was every four hours on the nebulizer, the other child was every four hours, and the medications had to be separate, the nebulizers had to be separate, and um, at, at one point, I was in her room, I fell asleep kneeling right next to her bed, giving her a nebulizer, and I realized this just, this isn't going to work. I can't keep this up. Um, we need to find a healthier way to live because I was exhausted and I was grumpy and the family was grumpy. Now, of course, we kept the medications up, but we looked at things and said, all right, what are we missing here? You know, there's so much in our life that I'm trying. At the time, I was helping to run the nursery at my church, which was a growing church and had lots of babies, and I had to step down. I had to just say, I can't do this for right now. Uh, we looked at um, going to the grocery store. At that time, I always used it as a life skill course where we would go to the grocery store, we would learn how to talk to clerks, I would teach the children how to, to um, sensorily be able to walk through the store without um, you know, getting upset and having a meltdown, but that had to stop. 
uh, therapy. We even paused therapy for a couple of weeks, and we just we we just took everything down to the core of the family, the core of being healthy, the the core of what was happening, and said, "All right, now we're going to start this on our knees. We're going to start this in prayer." And so that really is the first tip I have for turning emergency mode around and finding a calmer place is you really need to start this issue in prayer. The best place to start is on your knees, asking God to be right there and to help you through it. He's there. He's there all the time. And, and he's just waiting for you to ask for help. So reach out to him. Um, and once we had started there, and once we had pulled all of that extra scheduling down and and said all right you know what we have to do is Chris has to go to his job that has to happen but we don't have to do co-op and we don't have to do these other things for now we'll get back to it but for now and yeah okay I felt a little like a hermit I felt a little shut in but it was necessary for us to find a more peaceful routine it was very vital that the kids understood that the routine and the schedule that we had layered in years ago was still the schedule and the routine that was going to happen. And that brings a layer of foundational trust. That brings a layer of foundational, like a big sigh and releasing the stress that you know the routine is that we start dinner at four, we have lunch at noon, we start homeschooling at nine, um, you know, we do math first. This is just the routine that starts and begins. And I tried to keep that routine as absolutely rock solid as I possibly could. And then you slowly, that allows more flexibility. I have kids who have autism. So routine and schedule and, and sameness, especially in times of high stress and high anxiety can be a godsend. You know, it really is a, a helpful thing. Um, now I'm gonna ask you to be uncomfortable on this one. Um, the time of life we're in, the season of life we're in, we, we have children, um, we're, we're used to serving, we're used to being the caregiver, we're used to, you know, having the baby on the hip and sitting there washing your hands with your other hand and, and having a apron on and you got the Instapot going behind you, you're, you're juggling so many things, but life has thrown you a couple of extra balls. So you're going to have to just take a deep breath and allow others to come. Allow others to, to come into your life and, and to provide for you, to caregive for you. Think of it as you're allowing them to build up treasures in heaven. Their simple acts of generosity, of being there for you, is a wonderful thing. And I need you to take a step back and allow others to be the caregiver for you and for your family. One of the ways, and, and I get this all the time, people come up to you and say, I'm praying for you, um, I'm not sure how to pray for you. Okay, so I need to have specific prayer requests. Uh, specific prayer requests for, um, for the ability to travel this coming week to a doctor's appointment and home safe again. The ability for doctors to um, help my child to be healthier. Uh, we're maybe you're changing your diet. You know, please pray for us as we make these changes. That they're positive. So have specific prayer requests for people, and don't be ashamed to to give them. Um, that will help people be able to to specifically know how to to pray for you. Also, a lot of people will come up to you and say, "How can I help you?" And they want something specific because 
they don't know. Many of many people haven't been in a specific situation that you and your family are in, and they really don't know how to help you. They don't know if it would be appropriate to give you a casserole. I mean, I'm from Northern Ohio, Amish country. Anything happens, you get casseroles. But maybe you have an allergen high family and a casserole wouldn't be appropriate. Or you've got that covered, but you need a casserole or you need, well, not casserole, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on casseroles tonight. <laughs> maybe you need a meal for the weekend when you're going to pick up your husband from the hospital. So that day you know is going to be crazy and you just need to make sure that the food and everybody's going to be taken care of. Maybe your child just really wants to go to Awana or American Heritage Girls and you're on bed rest. And so you turn to a really good friend, someone you trust with your kids and say, listen, would you please, you know, you're going to Awana already, could you just swing by and grab the kids so that they can still have that routine and that schedule and those fun things that happen even though mommy can't go and I'm having these issues. A lot of people will say yes, they want to help, they're waiting to help you, but they need specific reasons why. Now, really, guys, it shouldn't be your burden to come up with specific reasons. You already have your plate full. So this is going to be a shout out to the people who are standing next to you, people who are helping you, who are wondering, you know, how can I help my good friend? How can I help my cousin? How can I help my neighbor? Um, if you see something, do something. If you're the neighbor and you know it's trash day and you take your trash out and you look over and realize your neighbor who, um, Lord forbid, maybe they just lost a baby. Um, you walk over and say, all right, I got your trash. Just open your garage door and I'm going to pull it right out for you. Have a good night. So there, you're not being a burden. You're not taking their time. You're not making them get dressed or clean the house or anything. You have just done a simple service for them. And it was needed. Maybe you look over and their yard starting to look like a jungle. Um, go ahead and mow it. Even if you just mow the front strip so that when they pull in, it doesn't look like a jungle. I tell you what, that happened to me one summer when rough pregnancy, I was sick, the kids were sick, and my husband, though he wasn't sick, he was constantly caring for us. He was running us to a doctor, he was caring for us in the house, or he was making a meal, or he was tidying up, or he was doing the laundry. I mean, he was busy, busy man. And the lawn just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and our neighbor came over and mowed it, and I tell you, I cried. I was so blessed by that simple act of service. So for those who are just looking in, um, also when you come up to a person and you say, hey, I know you're having a hard time. I heard the prayer request. I am here for you. I can. And you tell them what you're the best at. You know, you can say, I have seven kids. I'm really busy, but I'm a good cook and I can make a couple of meals that you can put in the freezer. Uh, you tell me what's your favorite and I will, that will be, arrive on your doorstep tomorrow evening. That is a wonderful way to just take all the burden out of it, to take all the guessing game out of it, and, and you're just, you're providing, you're providing help. Uh, there's so many ways that you can help. You can help everything from, um, if you happen to be a mechanic, say, listen, I know you're going back and forth to the doctors a lot. Why don't you swing the van over here and let me look at it. Let me do it once over and just make sure it is safe. Uh, can you imagine being sick, wheelchair bound on the side of a road? Uh, something like that really could be a lifesaver. So please consider these things. Um, now I know how hard it is for those of us to ask 
for help. Um, as I was getting this together, uh, one of my friends called and she was having a retreat over the weekend for couples. And we had, my husband and I had thought long and hard about going to this retreat, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't in the budget. Well, she calls me up and says, someone, um, someone stepped down. They weren't able to go. And I was really thinking about you and your husband, but I went through the whole place and it's just not handicap accessible enough for you. I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I would have been there to help. You know, I was thinking about how I could help maybe do dishes or serve this or, you know, help you get your, your, all your worksheets handed out or whatever. But that's all was going through my mind is how I could help this person. And she said, honey, no her sweet southern um, accent. She's like, I want you to come and be served. And I'm like, what? It was like a total blink in my head. I never once thought about actually going to a retreat for marriage and going to a retreat for marriage. <laughs> and I think it's just a matter of, like I said, we're in that season where we're caregivers and we're so used to serving others at this point in life that I just never even thought about it. Now, she did stop me. She said, now, I want you to hear what you just said. You need to have time off. And that's true. Um, a part of emergency mode is you don't get time off. It is a go, 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 go. It's, it's just something riding you and you, you are, whether it's emotional, financial, spiritual attack, it can, it can come, it can destroy your relationship with the Lord. So that's why we start in prayer. Start with study. Don't let your Bible devotion get derailed by this. Um, that's why we start with the foundation, your family, the people you love and care and pour your time and energy into because they're awesome. Um, do not let Satan nitpick you through this. Now, one of the things that I, I have noticed that is unfortunate is that when you're in emergency mode, one of the first people you attack is the person you love the most, the people around you, because, well, they're there all the time. And you start nitpicking each other. And it's a matter of frustration. It's a matter of a stressor. And it's a matter of, um, of all of this culminating and you don't have an outlet. And the person next to you becomes your outlet. And you pick at them. You're like, well, I was up at 2 a.m. And it was a sheet changer. It was it was horrible mess. And, and then I had to do laundry. And I didn't get to sleep till 4. Well, he woke up at 6 and didn't go to bed at midnight. And he had a sheet changer too. You know, he's right there with you. Um, so be careful that you're not nitpicking each other. And if you find that your beloved is nitpicking you, don't nag. But do point out, honey, what you're saying is hurting my heart. I am, I'm, I'm sitting here trying, um, can we talk about this? And, and don't be afraid also to go to your pastor and say, listen, um, we're having just this really rough, intense time. Can you come and help us a little bit and, and get things calmed down? <clears throat> so one of the uh, things with emergency mode, and, and we've been talking about this, it's not a place to live, but some of us almost we feel like we have to because we have a chronic issue, make chronic climb, um, your child's in chemotherapy, so you're always waiting for that next lab and that next lab and that next, you know, bone scan. Um, and maybe you have mitochondrial disease, genetic diseases like we do, and you just know that it's a long haul. It's not going to go away. But again, I encourage you, it is not, it's not a place that you have to be on this high, high alert constantly. I want you to find a place of peace and of calmness and restore to your home what God has blessed you with. And sometimes it just takes a moment 
every day for us to just take a deep breath, start the day in prayer. Start the day in prayer with your kids. Start everybody on the same page. Um, you know, this is part of that foundation. This is part of the relationships. This is part of telling the kids that yes, things are tough, but guess what? We have the Lord. We can make it through this and we will make it through this because we've asked the Lord to help us and he will give us the strength. There is no, that you know, in the Bible, it's not a, maybe he'll give you strength. No, he will give you strength. <sighs> See people, we can find a calmer place. We can fill our homes with peace. Um, I do know that uh, one of my most uh, prominent workshops that I have is a peace in an intense home. So I know a lot of you out there are feeling this and that's why I felt led to talk about this today. And I also know that a lot of you are already looking at ways to get through this. You're already ready to find that calmer place. Now, yeah, you may have to do therapy, van schooling, things of that nature through this year, or this semester, or this season of life. But like I said, the Lord will give you strength and he will help you um, find a more peaceful, calmer, less stressed, more healthy family unit and community to support you. Um, so until I see you again, friends, this is Heather Laurie praying for all of you to have a more peaceful filled, abounding, healthy, vibrant home. I can't wait to hear about it. Leave your comments below. If you want some prayers, let me know and I will add you to our prayers. God bless my friends. Thank you for listening to Victory Over Adversity with your host, Heather Laurie. If you would please share this podcast with your friends, visit iTunes and leave a review. If you want to find out more about special needs homeschooling, please visit Heather's website, specialneedshomeschooling.com, for resources and to read her long-standing blog. She has a book available, Homeschooling When Learning Isn't Easy. See you next time in Victory Over Adversity.